to be in your presence, to slow down, to stop, and simply to gaze upon your reality. It's the kind of water for the soul that we need when we're parched because we're walking through a dry land. So we ask for your grace this morning that you would soften our hearts to your word. Give us the grace to listen and then to follow through with what you're challenging us to do, to consider who you're calling us to be. May we bring great joy to your heart. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. One of my favorite Evites shows up in my email inbox faithfully every year, sometime late July, early August, and I love the question. It says, will you attend? That's what all Evites say. If you're familiar with Evite, it's an electronic invitation. It's the same thing as getting an invitation in the mail, but it comes in your email. And this one is for the annual Skillman pool party at Kay and Lyles. I love it. I love it. It's my favorite Evite, and it comes every year. And Evite is a really simple mechanism that we've come to use. And it asks a very simple question. Will you attend? Will you come? And at the top it says yes, maybe, or no. Simple response mechanism as well. And then it provides you with three pieces of data in a common evite. Who's the host? When is it going to happen? And where is it going to occur? Now, for the pool party, there's this implied sense of to whom did the Evite go as well? That's always an assumed part of this, is who's getting the invitation? Well, if you're here at Skillman and you're on the Skillman list, which I would encourage you because then you'll find out about the pool party and barbecues and things like that, you are invited and the question is posed to you, will you come? Will you come? What would the Evite be if it came from Jesus? What would it say? Really, what would it be an invitation to? What is the event? What's going to occur? The question is exactly the same. Will you attend? Will you come? But to what would Jesus invite us? In the Gospel of Matthew, there is a particular Greek word that only occurs three times where Jesus makes an invitation. And it's translated very simply as come. Now, Matthew could have used any number of very common verbs to come and to go, to and from, these kind of things. And he does throughout the entire gospel. But three times on the lips of Christ, we find this invitation to come. And it's much more than simply the standard verb for to come.
come, to go, to, from. It's an interjection. It's something special and rare, and it's telling us something about what Matthew is telling us about Jesus' invitations. If you want to get a sense for the power of this word, as we're going through these passages of Matthew, this word is used only one time in the Gospel of John, on the lips of Christ. And it occurs in John 11, after Christ has found out that Lazarus has died. And in conversation with Martha, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ. Jesus comes to Lazarus' tomb, says, take the stone away. Say, Lord, he's been dead for four days. It's going to smell really bad, man. You don't want to do that. He says, move the stone. And in a loud voice, Christ says, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had been dead walked out of that grave. That word for come of come out, that's the word we're talking about today. It's a commanding invitation. It's an inviting command. It has the resurrection and the life behind it. The one who said, I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. That's the one who says, come. That's the word we're looking at today. So if you're here today and you're weary from trying to make things work or make ends meet, or you're worn out from trying to make things right in a backwards world, or you're worried about something, or maybe you're just feeling kind of washed up because, if anything, you've kind of made a mess. I can tell you that I have been in all four of those categories, some very recently, and Christ says, come to me. What does it look like to respond to Jesus' invitations? Well, we find the very first one in Matthew Four, Matthew chapter 4, in your pew Bible, I believe it's 809, page 809. In Matthew 4, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, starting in verse 18, when he calls his first disciples, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This is what they do. And he said to them, follow me. The word follow there is actually the word come. In, in the Greek text it says, come after me. Come along. Hey, you two, I'm going this way. Come on. Come after me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, 
and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. The first invitation we see from Christ is to come. Come after me. Come along. Come this way. I'm going this direction. Come on. To follow him. Now following Christ is costly. You see here, it's economically costly. So he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, their livelihood, their jobs, their identity. Now I'm not encouraging you to quit your job. Some of you may feel like doing that, but that's not... Don't take that application away and then blame it on me or the Lord. Now, if he's telling you to do that, it's a different issue. But the concept is a willingness to respond to his invitation regardless of cost if it's going to cost you. Following Christ is costly in another way as well. It can be socially shameful. What did the second set of brothers do? Immediately they left their boat, again, economics, and their father. This may be hard for us to access in our American culture in that sometimes, and in some ways, there's a badge of honor for us to become autonomous, independent, launch from the nest, use whatever metaphor you want, but we value the independent man, the independent and accomplished woman. And there's actually some social honor in that. But in this culture, this is turning your back on your heritage, on your tradition, on your name. I don't know that there's a good parallel for us to understand. It might be something like treason, as if you had access to some type of nuclear technology that we had as Americans, and you willingly sold that to a hostile nation that would threaten our security. Something treasonous. It is a serious offense to leave your boat, to leave your father. But Jesus says, come after me. I'm going this way. So if Jesus sent an Evite, it would be simply this. Follow me. This is an invitation to redirect your life and to fall in line with the ancient paths of the Lord. Who's the host? Jesus. When is it? Right now. Where is it going to occur? Right here. What will be your RSVP? The second invitation that we see is in chapter 11. Just a little bit to the right as you move through the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 11, starting in verse 25. Now, contextually... Jesus has just sent out the apostles in chapter 10 to go and to preach the good news. And 
Some have responded positively. Some have rejected them. And within this experience, Christ is communicating some people are going to respond, some are not. Some are going to reject my message through you. Some are going to embrace it. And with that as a foundation, it says, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things, these things being understanding who Christ is by what Christ has done. You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. And here, you've you got to appreciate Jesus. He's being sarcastic. I mean, really. If, if anything, Jesus has a sense of humor, and he's got a little twinkle in his eye. He's going, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding. And what he's saying is, all those pompous people that think they've got everything figured out, and that you should feel shame because you don't, those people, they really don't get it. Because my father has actually revealed those things to little children. And in the book of Matthew, that phrase, little children, is Christ's description for his faithful followers. Those ones that come to him with a childlike faith and say, Lord, help me understand. Father, this was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So if you want to get to the Father, you have to go through the Son. That's the deal. That's the way it's set up. Christ is the mediator to the Father's heart and to the Father's arms. Verse 28, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now resting in Christ is humbling. Why? Because you have to get to that point where you say, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes to carry this load. I'm done. And Christ, with arms wide open, says, come to me. Come to me and you'll find rest for your souls. You who are weary from trying to make things work, or make ends meet, worried, worn out from trying to make things right in a backwards world, or if you're just kind of washed up because you've made a mess, come to me. And I will give you rest. Your plans, they can't give you rest. Your finances, they can't give you rest. Your vacations, hope you enjoy it. But guess what? If you want rest, you got to come to me. If you want real rest. If you want rest for your souls. A peace. An undisturbed, impenetrable shalom that nothing can touch. That nothing can disturb. That is protected by the will of God. If you want that, you have to come to me. Nothing else will give you that. Nothing. 
I will give you that, says Jesus. Take my yoke instead. You need to hear that as well. Jesus is not saying, disengage from your life and just watch football this afternoon. Dude, that's the way to get rest. Now, I support that. You know what I'm going to do this afternoon? I'm going to watch football and I might end up falling asleep. That's not, yeah, I got a fist pump back there from Carrie. So, I'm not saying that's out of bounds. What I am saying is that taking on Christ's yoke is coming in line with how he wants you to live your life. So if you're feeling performance, pressures, if you're trying to be something, be who Christ made you to be. If you're feeling the pressures of life because the world is broken, come to Christ for rest. The kingdom paradox here is that when we focus on the heavier matters, we end up with a lighter load. What are the two most important commands, according to Jesus at least, in the New Testament? Love God, love your neighbor. Everything else if it's not feeding into those two things, just this last week, in the course of about three hours, I found myself in such a distressing state of anxiety, I don't know how to even describe it. And some of these things are important, and some of them are not. And that may be true for you as well. Um, we had storm damage, so we had a new roof put on our house. Well, we found out that there's a leak that is now leaking into the roof of uh, one of our rooms and staining the ceiling. They came to fix it, didn't fix it, it's still leaking. It's driving me nuts. Also, as I was driving to work, my truck started to stutter. Something's wrong with the engine. I don't know what. Got to take it in. When I get to work, there's a relational staff issue that I have to deal with that if not dealt with properly could end in the most litigious and unhelpful way imaginable. On top of that, I find out that a very close relation of mine is waiting for tests to come back from a biopsy, see whether or not this person actually has cancer. This on top of the fact that my father-in-law is undergoing chemo treatment, and my own father is still recovering from cancer. And as a good American, I just pushed through. You know what? I can handle this. I'm just going to work really hard. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to call the roofer and I'm going to demand my rights. I'm going to research how to fix my truck. I'm going to take it into the auto body shop. I'm going to deal with this staff issue and just fix it. You know what? None of that stuff happened. Still have a leak in my roof. Truck isn't driving correctly. Staff issues are still really tense. By God's grace, we found out that the biopsy was negative, so there's nothing there. But there's still issues going on with health. 
And the whole time when I'm trying to manage this, you know what I'm hearing? Come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary, come to me. And I finally, in an act of humility, actually shut the door in my office, got down on my knees and said, Lord, I can't do it. Can't do it. He said, ah, it's good to see you, my son. Take up my yoke. Are you loving me and are you loving others? Okay. Focus on those things. Let me deal with the leak in your roof. Yeah, you got to get it fixed, but guess what? That's just a thing. That's an object. Are you loving me and are you loving others? And in a twist of kingdom paradox, taking on Christ's yoke, 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. So again, please hear me. There are things that we must do as believers. We do have commandments that we must keep. But John says, His commandments are not burdensome. Well, why? Because everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Well, how? How? Well, this is the victory that's overcome the world. Our faith. Say again. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? So if you're weary, worn out, washed up, worried... There's no magic trick involved, but there is mystery. The Evite is there, and it's simple. Come to me. It's an invitation to rest in his life. The host is Jesus. The when is right now, and the where is right here. What will be your RSVP? There's one more invite in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. The context here is that the disciples have asked Jesus, hey, you said the temple's going to be destroyed and all this kind of stuff. Like, what will be the sign of the end of the age? Lord, how will we know that you're coming back? You keep saying you're going, you're coming, you know, we can't figure it out. How will we know when you're going to return? And so Christ starts laying out a picture of what comes next. And part of that, starting in verse 31, is he's talking about the final judgment. And it is not my goal here to get into all the different areas and all the different understandings of the final judgment, my focus is on Christ's invitation. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. 
Before him will be gathered all the nations. He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, to the sheep, to his own, Come! You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we do any of these things? And in verse 40, the king will answer them, truly I say to you as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. How we are caring for fellow Christians. Again, it is not my intent to talk about the timing of this other than to say there is coming a time when our deeds will be recognized. We will be rewarded for how we have striven to be faithful in this life, to keep his commands. And he will say, come, inherit the kingdom. He is inviting us to rule alongside with him. If that doesn't blow your mind, I've got nothing better. That is incredible. Reigning with Christ is coming soon. And the evite is this. The invitation from Christ is come on in and sit by me. It's an invitation to reign in eternal life. The host is Jesus. The when is imminently. It could happen any minute. And the where is the kingdom. Now, about that RSVP, this is the only one that you can't wait on. This is the only one. The invitation is on the table right now. If you want to hear those words, come, inherit the kingdom, then you must RSVP right now by placing your faith in Christ that indeed he is the resurrection and the life, that he is fully God and fully man and that he came to earth to take on our sin he died on the cross to pay for our sin and then was raised from the dead and that through his death and resurrection he paid what we could not pay. And if we accept that gift from him we are his. And we are part of the kingdom. So what will be your RSVP to this invitation? Now, there's one thing I guess I failed to mention at the very beginning. When we think about an Evite, now it says, will you attend? Will you come? And there's yes, maybe, and no. Well, the invitations from Jesus 
They don't have that middle category. You don't get a maybe. You get a yes or you get a no. Those are your options. What will be your RSVP? We find ourselves somewhere between these two, these two ends. On the, on the front end, an invitation to a redirected life. Because here's where rest comes in if you accept that invitation. Christ says, come along, come after me. And I will make you fishers of men. It's no longer upon you to make your life, to make something of your life. He will make you fishers of men, or whatever that looks like. But he's going to do the work of making you who you were supposed to be. You can just rest in his work. And in Matthew 25, an invitation to reign in eternal life. Knowing that in the future everything will be made right. And Christ will recognize good for good and evil for evil and judge accordingly. Gives us the freedom to rest now knowing that it may not be all sorted out right now. But pretty soon everything will be sorted out perfectly. And we can just rest and love God and love others. And so we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 11. Somewhere on the spectrum of weary, worn out, worried, maybe even washed up. And the invitation that Christ is giving us this morning Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your son willingly gave his life so that we might have life. That he is the resurrection and the life. He is the true vine. He is the bread of life. And that when we are weary, we can rest in him. I pray that you would give us the grace to humble ourselves in your presence. That we might receive your rest. That we would find rest for our souls in you alone. Amen.